Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Boston, Massachusetts, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton, Lee Cantor here with you, broadcasting live from Boston, Massachusetts. What do you think so far, Lee? I'm having a great time. Get to see Dan Collier, our good friend here in Boston. Yeah, Dan's looking fit, having a good time. We caught up with Steve Capone. I wouldn't get carried away <laughs> with that looking fit comment. <laughs> I think he's doing great. We got a chance to visit with Steve. He's out in the in the lobby harassing the, the Regis folks. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a fantastic segment right out of the box. We're going to get a chance to visit with the Chief Learning Officer with Suffolk Construction. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Dr. David D. Filippo. How are you, man? I'm doing well, thanks. How, how, how are we doing that last name? Did we get it close? You did really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I'm done. Okay, Lee, you did yeah, the your interview. Yeah, your work I'll, is done now. Right? I'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> All right, uh, David, uh, you're with Suffolk uh, Construction, is that yes, right? Yes, I am. Can you share a little bit about what you guys are up to? Yeah, I sure can. So uh, I recently joined Suffolk Construction, and we are a construction management firm uh, based in Boston, but we have a national presence uh, in California and Florida. And uh, we're growing every day. So uh, it's a really exciting industry to be in. So now, have you been in the construction industry before in your career? You know, I have not. Um, I'd say the closest thing to being in the construction industry was many years ago. Uh, I used to help my father out um, with some work uh, with his construction company, which was uh-huh. much smaller in scale. So you can actually drive a nail. Because I was, we were going to make fun of you <laughs> a little bit, but you, actually, you really I, do have skills. I can barely drive a nail. <laughs> So now, um, what is a construction management company? What do you guys do? So basically, we're a professional services company. So we build buildings that range in size from $30 million to $500 million. Mm-hmm. And we manage the projects. So our workforce uh, contains uh, lots of civil engineers, project managers, uh, and basically folks that run uh, the projects. And then, um, you know, I'd say one of our core competencies is um, ensuring that the um, approach that we use to building buildings, which is called our build smart approach, um, is something that's innovative, helps us save time, build buildings faster, and do it in a high-quality way. So now, as the CLO, is there difference in a learning and talent strategy in construction as opposed to any other industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. So I recently came from the, a dozen years in the banking industry. and um, So bankers, construction people, similar? The, so, it, so I think that the, um, here's what I would say. I think that the people are perhaps maybe different and the context is different. But the issues around human capital are similar, are very, very similar. So now, um, so when you got this job and you sat in the chair for the first time in the office, what was the first thing you did? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I did when I got there is I um, decided that what I wanted to do is learn the business as fast as I could. So I immediately, um, within my second week, was out in the field, uh, walking around on job sites, getting to know uh, the people at the front lines. Right. And really just trying to understand the context because um, I figured if I did that first, then I could um, more quickly make a contribution. So how much time did you spend doing that, kind of immersing yourself in the industry and the business? Yeah, um, probably my first 60 days. I mm-hmm. probably spoke to a few hundred employees, was on 20 job sites, um, spent a lot of time also trying to uh, network with peers in the construction management industry, and then also um, network with people from um, 
you know, other uh, best-in-class companies. So when you're talking about a kind of a strategy and you immerse yourself, was there some kind of low-hanging fruit you saw that, hey, let's work on this or let's, like, did you look at it kind of in a micro way or kind of a macro way? Yeah, I'd say I, I first looked at it in a macro way because uh, one of the observations that I had, and, and this is true of many companies, is that we needed to really take a look at the entire system of development and system of human capital and figure out how to put the pieces together. So um, the way I've been thinking about this is we have many, many good ingredients, including our, our great um, employees, and we just need to create a system so that all the, all the pistons are firing the same way. So how do you determine curriculum? Are, I know you went out and you visited with folks. Are, are individuals who are in charge of groups of people coming to you and say, we need this? Or do you have people in the learning and development arena developing some stuff and then going out to the field and saying, you need this? Or how does that unfold? Yeah, it's a little bit of both because I, I think that there's a um, – there's two things that I think you have to start with. The first is that the business goals and the business priorities are the starting point for everything. So the way I think about the world is everything begins and ends with the business because uh, learning professionals and, and people that work in the talent space um, are there to support the business performance. And, um, and then I guess the second thing would be it's really then about figuring out what are the key talent segments and what are the roles and the positions that are going to drive the business in a meaningful way. And then lining up all your learning solutions um, to those two things. So I look at it as kind of a two-way process where, it, uh, based on your question, the macro view is going to help determine the strategy and the priorities, things like leadership development, things like technical skills, mm -hmm. things like knowledge transfer. And then you also want to listen to the workforce and listen to managers um, of people to understand what are the issues they're dealing with. So I, I look at it as a two-way process and really a conversation with the organization. So when you came in there, did you look at it? Did you have some ideas in mind and then you immerse yourself in the business and then you let that data kind of inform your going forward plan? Or did you kind of just have a blank slate and said, let me just talk to the people and then let the ideas bubble up? He came there. in guns ablaze and he I said, there's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> 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 We're going to do it the De Filippo way. Yeah. Um, well, I wish it was that easy. But <laughs> to, to be honest, um, one of the things I think that, you know, having done this for more than 20 years that I, I forced myself to do is I really focused on a whiteboard and just had a, a blank slate, as you said. And then I spent weeks and weeks just keeping myself very open. And what I mean by that is I tried to not translate anything from prior companies right, or prior Right, because you just spent all this time in banking. You had right. to have some banking bias, right? That, sure. Like, this is how we did it there, and it seemed to work fine. You know, and you didn't want to cloud that in <clears throat> this new opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that to be a real risk at times when people transition into a new environment. So I, I really spent uh, quite literally my first 60 days just listening mm -hmm. and not asserting, you know, necessarily an opinion or an experience uh, onto the situation. And then that served you well so far? I think so. I mean, here, here's where we are. So I, um, I'm about 70 days into the job. And just last week, um, I spent time uh, in our management committee meeting reviewing the strategy with our senior leadership team, uh, which I'm part of. And um, basically, uh, they've ratified and approved the plan. So we spent more time on the discussion about um, the data collection and on the recommendations and mm -hmm. on agreement about how, as a leadership team, we're going to support that. And now it's, uh, you know, on October 5th, this past Monday, it's a new day. So we're just moving forward and we're implementing the plan. Our team is putting project plans together. And then we've got a set of measures that we've put in place so that we can measure progress, um, you know, weekly and monthly and yearly. 
So I want to hear more about the backstory because before uh, finance, before banking, uh, there's you did you coached, you taught. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably have an untraditional career in that I, I would say that I was um, I was a person who got out of college and really had no idea what I wanted to do. Imagine that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so, <laughs> Just you. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, and, and maybe back then the price mm-hmm. point was such that was okay. It was okay to do that. <laughs> but the, um, and I became a teacher and a coach, uh, and I really did that because education and athletics had really informed oh, so a lot of my coach, background. Not yes. like coaching in industry became yeah i became a track coach uh-huh. so um so uh, by day I, I taught in the afternoons i coached track and then um i actually was at a boarding school so then i was a dorm parent um oh my <laughs> so it was like a like a you know 18 hour day job <laughs> but the um the thing i would say about that is two things uh, education had been really important to me and teachers and coaches in particular really helped shape and push me and so i i felt like that was a really good place to give back and then the second thing is that learning uh, at our young age, you know, at, at literally 22 years old, what it meant to be a role model because teachers um, and as a teacher, kids were looking at every move. And even in the dorm, they were really kind of monitoring. And, your and you're 22 at why well, this is happening. Yeah, so, and I'm like, so you I'm like so three much, years older than them. Right. You had so much <laughs> wisdom to share at that point, right? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> but it, it was a great experience. And I feel like actually the, the best leadership development I ever experienced was being a teacher and a coach and a dorm parent. Mm-hmm. And then, so how do you translate some of that to your work now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing that I think about a lot is. Um, First of all, how do we um, make the world of HR and learning very, very simple? And what I mean by that is, uh, at the end of the day, I look at myself as the head teacher and coach, and my job is to help each individual uh, and the team, right, the collective team at Suffolk, perform to the best of their ability. Just like being a track coach. You have people who are running, you have people who are throwing, you have people who are jumping, all different events, just like a company with all different positions, Mm -hmm. and the job is to optimize each person. Um, I, I guess the second thing I would say is the effect of role modeling and being a role model uh, is something that was really impressed upon me. So I think a lot about in organizations and me, for me personally as a leader, what does it really mean to align what I say with what I do and mm-hmm. keep that ratio really, really close? Uh, and a lot of times in organizations, people say a lot of things, but they don't actually align to those behaviors. Um, and as a leader, I try to do that, but I also think as an, as a teacher in an organization, I'm trying to teach the organization to do that as well. So now is there like, uh, this sounds a lot like mentoring. Is there a formal mentoring program or something like that in the work? Yeah. So we, we, um, we actually do quite a bit of mentoring, uh, at Suffolk construction and it happens, um, I'd say more informally right now in that, um, if you're on a job site and you have a specific area of expertise, technically, Many of our more experienced uh, folks on the job will mentor the the newer folks, mm-hmm. and that works really, really well because it's experience based. But it just happened organically. It does, yes. And what we're trying to do right now, it's one of our three. It's one of our strategies. We have five strategies. It's um, it's one that we want to formalize informal learning mm-hmm. and sort of figure out how do you scale that mentoring that's naturally happening right across job sites and across the country, and when we go into a new market make it more accessible for new employees to join the company. So now after you've done your um, kind of 60-day immersion, um, when you now are putting together the plan, was there anything that did transfer from banking that made sense to implement in this world? Yeah, I mean, I think, and this may not be exactly just banking, but one of the key strategies that we're going to employ is development of our leaders. 
and uh, in in the banking industry and in other industries before that, um, that's more of a priority. It's definitely a priority. It's a priority with respect to business growth. It's a priority from a skill perspective. It's a priority from a culture perspective to perpetuate a very intentional culture around how we lead and manage in Suffolk. And I would think also recruiting. Absolutely. That, right now you can attract top talent because they know they're going to get their own uh, career enhanced. That's exactly right. It's about recruiting the best talent, and it's mm-hmm. also about recruiting uh, leaders into the organization. Right. Now, is Suffolk uh, a large enough system such that it warrants having a, uh, a formal, uh, what do you call it, a, a learning management system or do you just go down the hall and tell sue hey jim said i needed to get some diversity training how about next thursday or uh, what does that look like in your organization yeah yeah i'm, I'm impressed that you know what a learning management system is so. <laughs> well i don't really i wow. thought i heard dan use the term a little while ago <laughs> but, um, so you have something like that like a yeah it's it's a it's a great question so um, i thought it was fantastic was it, it took me a minute day. to get it out but i thought it was a great question <laughs> so uh we actually just have um decided to implement a learning management system and so that piece of infrastructure is something that over the next six months uh, with the help of a vendor partner we're implementing and that'll help us uh, scale because we are big enough with about 1200 employees Mm -hmm. it's going to help us um, organize our curriculum so that we can assign it to folks and then i think the most important thing and something that i'm very very passionate about is it will help us get to measurement so in the absence of being able to track things, we can't really measure them right now. And that's going to be important because when I think about the story around how we're going to tell our story of where we are to where we want to go, measurement's a really important part of that. So now I'm sure uh, from your standpoint to convince management or senior management to, that you want to measure things, they were probably on board with that, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say that that was, a, that was, that kind, was of kind of an easy one. one right? uh, no, not much convincing <laughs> was needed. And I, and I think that speaks to the, um, to the build smart culture. Mm-hmm. Which is um, which is our tagline. Uh, we measure and have metrics for every part of the business. So and prior so, to you, though, they didn't have this for learning. Uh, they, I would say, they didn't have them to the degree that we really need to right. to grow the business. Um, so culturally, um, that um, infrastructure is very well aligned to the company. So maybe they embraced it, but I mean, I guess to me, the next question might have been them wondering, well, yeah, but how? Because I mean, for those of us that are uh, novices lay people sometimes we have a hard time getting our arms around how do you measure the effectiveness of training or the return on an investment it's in that you just training. count the smiley faces at the end of the thing <laughs> right is that how you do it? yeah if they if they liked it then you know we could <laughs> no. declare success <laughs> right yeah i mean i think you know in enjoying the experience is an important part of everything that we do but i think the and that's across the company and that would include everything we do um from a learning perspective but the, I think the more important thing would be when you think about bringing a new hire on board to build a building, um, one of the most important things that we think about is what's the time to productivity for that new employee? Mm. And how do we help that employee get up to speed as fast right. as possible? Because at the end of the day, it's not even about that employee. It's about our client. And it's about helping that uh, owner build a building and do it in the highest quality, uh, build smart way. Right. And then so right now, do you have a baseline of, okay, an employee is productive in X number of days, and then after the going through this program, you know, a year later, six months later, we look at it and they go, we shaved a week off, so therefore that's worth X. Yeah, I'd say anecdotally, the, um, the, the baseline for us is it probably takes about nine months to a year to get an employee up to speed. So mm-hmm. we're going to use that as a starting point and introduce what we're calling a role-based curriculum. Um, to methodically bring people up to speed and, and um, indoctrinate them, if you will, culturally and technically. 
and then start to measure using that baseline. And then I suspect things are changing uh, just as fast, if not more so in your world, as they are for, for many of us, that competency for that seasoned, mature employee, that, that can be a, a moving target too, right? I mean, you have to continually keep up with that. It sure can. And one of the things that connects to measurement is we uh, are going to implement a system of pre and post testing so that we can measure people just like we all went through when we were in school to ensure we understand the baseline competency, we understand the progress made, and we can look for gaps. So, I mean, one of the things about learning, right, is we all know that adults learn differently. And um, some people will prefer to read, some people will prefer experience, and some people may prefer to sit in the classroom. So I like to learn on the beach. Do you? So the the beach methodology we haven't figured out yet. But we we may employ that one. That's 2017 roadmap. Yeah, exactly. That's the four-year plan. (laughs) So so whatever it is, I think the important thing to do is know where you are, know what the gaps are through a measurement process, and then you can implement uh, retraining or gap filling as Mm -hmm. needed. And then, but how do you get, like, it's one thing to teach person, they all nod their head and they got it and, you know, you're measuring them and you're going to check in periodically, but how do you kind of keep them on track regarding like compliance of, you know, the behavior that you're trying to train for? How are you kind of monitoring that they're staying on track so that it becomes ingrained in, the, in their way they're doing their work? Yeah. I mean, there's really two ways that we do that at the, at the individual level, that's really the job of our leaders and managers, right? Is to understand the the job specs and the technical requirements and then coach and manage and have accountability to those things. And that's just, I mean, to be fair, that's kind of management 101, right? The second thing is that we have a a formal assessment process in the organization that happens quarterly. And so we assess every single one of our jobs, which is around between 60 and 70 jobs going on at the same time nationally. Wow. And, um, when we do that, that informs uh, either training gaps, process gaps, system gaps, and we use that as a feedback loop. So in a way, I mean, that's a form of compliance, but the way I like to think about it is it's really a, a form of feedback, mm-hmm. right, for the organization so we can continuously learn. So do you see yourself uh, ever circling back in retirement or semi-retirement or as a parallel to what you're doing now to going back to coaching track or maybe teaching it at Annex right No, now? it's dorm parent. That's, <laughs> that, that's the one that was that's so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny question. So I, uh, I guess a couple things on that. I guess first my wife uh, has informed me that I can never retire. Uh-huh. <laughs> she doesn't really want me around the house that much. Um, second thing I would say is that I definitely, um, I, I definitely feel like the opportunity at Suffolk to create an iconic organization and ha- and have learning in our human capital strategy to do that is something that's, that's going to fill my time for a number of years. But I think after that, I could definitely see myself uh, moving back into an academic career. Probably not coaching as much, but right. teaching. But teaching, actually, of the two. Now, can you talk about, I mean, talk, we're now kind of going back to the high school teacher and coach uh, part of this. How did you move from that to like a corporate job? Like what was the... He got a mortgage and a wife. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of it. <laughs> but like how do you, so now you just raise your hand and go, you know what, I've done this for a while. I'll just jump into training and, you know, it's a, how different can it be, right? You know, kids, adults. Yeah, you know, we spent a lot of our time talking about the way that employees develop. And I think um, my progression is very similar to some of the things that we're creating for our employees at Suffolk. So when I left teaching uh, and coaching, um, I got a job at UPS. 
And to give you a sense of how UPS... But um, in training and learning. Uh, actually, no. I spent five years in business roles. Ah. And, um, but the first job I had was a really important job, and it was driving the UPS truck, which is the core part of the business. And right. it was the way that I... To your question, it's the way that I learned, having no business experience and having spent time as a teacher and coach, I learned that business. And it was um, hugely invaluable to do that because I learned what it was like to be on the front lines... I learned what it was like to interact with um, with clients directly, and um, from that I moved into operational roles and management. Because you're the face of the organization in the eyes of the consumer, right? Absolutely. Now, yeah. how was their training? It, their training was was really outstanding, and this this goes back to the early '90s, so I can't speak to it today. But mm-hmm. um, I learned a lot uh, on the job. I learned a lot through formal uh, courses and programs they put me through, and. You know, I, I, uh, many of those things inform the way I think about um, my job today. Mm, oh, like being in the truck, like that experience informs, like, like you're able to look at it through the those eyes, right? Yeah, I think I think it's really important for anyone as they progress in their career, myself included, to not forget the bottom line thing that the company does. Mm-hmm. And and if it's in the case of UPS, it's driving a UPS truck and interacting with clients. Then then that's the thing that we that we do. If in the case of Suffolk, it's how we interact with our owners and interact with our subcontractors to build buildings, that's something we can't forget about. Right. And it's always important to like kind of keep that top of mind. And it's easy to forget that when you have work to do and you're building this thing on the side to help them. Absolutely. So before we wrap, I got to know, mm-hmm. uh, what are you reading these days? Anything that, uh, that you're reading that you're finding interesting and impactful and helpful to your to your life or your job that you might uh, you might share with the rest of us? Maybe we'll go get the title ourselves. You see, I have a Kindle here over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I've been reading a lot of um, a lot of trade um, information about the construction management industry and just trying to get some of the jargon down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I may not buy those titles. <laughs> yeah, probably not. They're not. They're not. They're but not no, a, this is no. That makes a lot of sense, right? For you to get really immersed in, yeah. Just, just, yeah, just to have a baseline understanding. I'll, I'll never be able to build a building, but I want to feel comfortable with the uh, with the terminology. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and then personally, um, I've been spending a little bit more time reading books on um, on talent management and um, and you know, um, right now. Big data is a big is kind of a big focus. So yeah. I've um, been reading some some uh, literature on that as well. Well, you have such a marvelous opportunity in front of you. What an exciting time for you! I, th- I think it's a really exciting time in the whole for, organization for the whole organization. Yeah, we've got a lot of runway ahead of us. Now, can you talk about uh, ATD? Has that been important in your career? Yeah, you know, in my career, um, all of the professional organizations, be it ATD or be be it some of the other ones that are local and national, have mm-hmm. really been helpful and and really in two ways. I think number one, to network and collaborate with other colleagues. Um, what I've learned is that more often than not, whether it's the construction management industry versus the banking industry, we all have similar issues that we're dealing with, right? And that's really helpful. And then the second thing is, from a learning perspective, to continuously be an example of ongoing learning through those organizations. Has right, been you have to role important. model that behavior. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. So those those organizations really helped with that. Now, do you have kind of your own informal group of CLOs that you kind of commiserate with? Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's like two or three or four colleagues who on a regular basis, you know, I talk to and uh, I'll call up and, you know, ask them the am I crazy question. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you, is but that, no, we all need that, right? right? For our own little circles. And then you're going to be a panelist coming up in November in New York. 
I am. Yes. I mean, if this goes well today, I suppose I will. Okay. I don't know <laughs> yeah, if you'll we'll still be a panelist. <laughs> we'll let you know. Don't call us. We'll call you. So, so what are you going to be talking about? So I, I believe what we're going to be talking about is workforce trends and mm-hmm. um, the, the ways that companies are, um, are preparing for their future uh, workforce needs. And then so you um, have some thoughts. Have you started thinking about that? Or you? Yeah, I'm going to do that after this, after tomorrow, this radio show today. Tomorrow. Well, David DiFilippo, it has been an absolute delight. I can't think of a better person, a better topic to, to kick this whole thing off with. So thank you to Dan Collier for getting that organized. An absolute pleasure. If someone wants to connect with you, uh, it's, uh, it's LinkedIn the best way to do it. Is it to, to go to Suffolk Construction? But other colleagues and, and people of like mind that want to continue to learn and grow in this space, what's the best way for them to kind of get in your world is, is it linkedin yeah I would, I would say for anyone that um that wants a network or if anyone has any questions or you want to discuss an issue around learning and talent feel or free to track, connect with me on right? or, or, you know, or, or track, track. Yeah, we'll run the I could do that. <laughs> we could compare track times <laughs> well uh, david you've made this a great deal of fun let's uh let's do it again sometime and it sounds like we may do something akin to it uh here for too long in, in new york mm-hmm. it's been a real pleasure man Kate, thank you very much all right, I think that's a wrap. We'll be out. Uh, we'll be back in a few. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.